Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. Now that, that word palsy simply means he was paralyzed. Medically, there's other things that are attached to that. One of them is tremors. But he was paralyzed, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. Jesus did not say, look at verse Number six, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. The incredible power of forgiveness. The incredible power of forgiveness. God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this incredible throng of people here today that your people visitors, the curious, the tired, the weary, the empty. I pray for your spirit and your word to move far beyond flesh today. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Mr. Soundman, the impeccably dressed and groomed Soundman, for the marks. A little bit more monitor. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Jesus could have said in verse number six that you may know that the Son of Man has power to heal. He could have said in verse number 6 that the Son of Man has power to restore. Both of those would have been, according to the context of this, would have been very accurate. But he said that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Before we delve into this particular scripture just a little bit deeper, 
I'd like to just three chapters earlier, a very famous passage of Scripture known as the Beatitudes. One man interpreted it as the Be Happy Attitudes. But this famously, theologically, is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is essentially the very first message that Jesus has for the masses in his ministry. And right in the middle of Matthew chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 9, is an incredible passage of Scripture. I would like to go there and read just several verses, beginning in verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And everybody said amen. Brother Gary Howard taught us that we should say amen. But that's not where Jesus stopped this particular phraseology. It's, it's, it's an entire, it's connected, it's attached, which means that, that you ought not leave one out. You should read it as a grouping um, of Scripture to keep the content correct. And he said, but if you will not, but if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That was the only part of the Lord's Prayer that was not added, but accentuated. It was like, it was like the rest of that is, is an anointed plain, an anointed landscape, but this is the mountaintop. This is the part that he wants us to understand. And you have to understand that what the Lord's Prayer does supernaturally and theologically is incredible. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, it said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That is where the supernatural and the natural were wedded. Wedded. Dimension and reality were wedded. And that is the environment in which God created the world. It was where, and there's three heavens that are articulated in the creation account. One of them is the heaven that's articulated in, in Genesis 1 and 1 is the dwelling place of God. But there's two other heavens that are, one is atmospheric, that is the firmament, the other one is the cosmic. But in Genesis 1 and 1, he's talking about the dwelling place of God. Well, when mankind sinned, it brought a division between heaven and an earth. And what the Lord's Prayer is doing is it is restoring that alignment that exists between the supernatural and the natural, or the infinite and the finite, or heaven and an earth. I'm just going to insert this because I'm doing a whole body of study on this, but 
what the denominational world has done to fill that gap is to create environment. This is very important. It may not have any bearing on the rest of this service, but I just want to get this out there because I'm, I'm fascinated with this little toy of mine, and I want you to see my little theological toy. My theological toy. What bridges the heavens and the earth was created on the second day. It's called firmament. It's atmosphere. When an apostolic church prepares an environment and creates an atmosphere, then all of heaven is there. We don't need contemporary Christian rock music and ripped jeans and fog machines and strobe lights. What we need is people to live holy when you're not in this building. And when we come together and lift up praises, we create an atmosphere where angels are flying around here and seraphims and teraphims and cherubims. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. These are realities that if you will realign your life and live with them, you'll have a greater dimension of power. But you have a responsibility to live according to new knowledge. The reason why some people cannot go to a new level is you're unwilling to incorporate new understanding into your epistemology. Jesus, through the death, burial, and the resurrection, and the blood, the water, and the spirit, brought a complete realignment between heaven and earth. And so this is a kingdom prayer. He says, our Father, which are in heaven hallowed or holy is thy name. Wherever you call on the name of Jesus, that just became a holy place. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I pray this hundreds of times. I'm going to continue to pray it. In me, as it is in heaven. Because now that you have alignment, now you have flow. And I know in America and in Western culture, we're very stuff-oriented. But here's the real stuff. The will of God and the kingdom of God. If you've got that, you've got all the stuff you need. Forgive us our debts. Notice with me that this is self-regulating, which means I'm not waiting on God. God's waiting on me. Forgive us our debts as Which means, is there somebody here that does not need forgiveness? Thank you. I feel more at home. Bunch of sinner folks saved by grace. I feel right at home. (laughs) 
This is so critical. Pastor, what about give us this day our daily bread? You'll get what you need if there's alignment. Forgiveness is the only thing that can upset the alignment. Why don't we just take a moment right now and lift our hands. I want, us, I want to go a little deeper here today. We're definitely going to preach. We're definitely going to address some things, but I want, I want us to make this personal because there's people here that, that cannot sleep at night. There's people here that are physically ill simply because you have unforgiveness in your life. I don't know if I've ever heard this preached, but God sent me to this congregation today to preach this in this audience, to be totally apostolic. You have got to be a forgiver. I don't care if they robbed banks. I don't care if they're murderers. I don't care if they're fornicators. I don't care if they're homosexuals. I don't care if they're transvestites. I don't care what they are. The only thing that can break heaven and earth is unforgiveness. In fact, I believe that a case could be made that if we need help with forgiveness, that if we don't, we could be looking at a trial to help us realign. Because what you have to understand is, is the cross aligned every dimension, vertical and horizontal. The only thing that can stop it is some, every time you see that person, there's a little, uh. see, that's what a familiar spirit is. A familiar spirit is a spirit that says, oh, I know them. You don't know nothing. You're thinking they're just a slob doing their job. God says, no, they're going to be a missionary to Botswana in about 10 years. Just get out of the way and let me work on them and let me bless them and take your little small mentality and your familiar spirit and find a place of forgiveness. Oh, somebody help me preach this today. This is the message you've been looking for. entire churches that become bound up and entropy and degeneration begins because there's no life because where there's forgiveness there's life there's alignment there's blessing there's hope there's joy there's celebration there's jubilation And so if I want forgiveness, I have to give forgiveness. Western culture and Western denominationalism has almost hoodwinked us as a culture into believing that we are at the end result of being a recipient of everything that God has. No, 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 no. Once you were baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost, God said, no, you're going to work with me. You're going to be a part of this. 
See, I can tell how, so, how denominational some people are, even that are apostolic in their theological frame, is because they think that God's going to do that. No, 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 no. God's going to do it as you do it. God will give you mercy as you give mercy. God will give forgiveness as you forgive. Somebody help me out right now. God says, no, 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 no. You want to go up? You want to gain access? You want more influence? you got to be a giver. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. God, touch that baby. My goodness, when I hear a gurgling sound like that, I'm not going to try to preach over it. The incredible power of forgiveness. So Jesus, and uniquely, this, this, this is like a mountaintop. Because it's right between telling the disciples not how to pray and telling them not how to fast. Don't fast and disfigure your faith. <laughs> what have you been doing? Oh, I'm fasting today. Well, this person over here has been fasting a week, and they're still running the aisles and praising the Lord. You've been fasting from Krispy Kreme donuts and aren't going to make it till 5 o'clock this afternoon. going to fast, lighten up on the Krispy Kremes long before you start the fast. Because that pig fat and sugar will work you over. I have seen entire Christian communities where there's no life. They have doctrine. They have a belief system. But entropy has already been set in motion. Forgiveness should be an ongoing, growing reality in our lives. Why? Because we're constantly coming in contact with people, and people are constantly in need of forgiveness. There are some people, as this church continues to get bigger, there are some people that God will import into this congregation. They're constantly a burr under my saddle. I didn't say anything. I love you too. I was actually going to look at this guy over here. I'm just having fun. I'm just trying to make my point that there's going to be people that constantly are a reminder to that pastor, oh, you want forgiveness? Y'all here today? If you walk out of here with forgiveness, I guarantee you, that spirit of jubilation, God did not remove it from you. God did not remove the joy. God did not remove the peace. God did not remove the righteousness. There's something else at work there. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. The only part of this prayer that Jesus repeated because it can shut down this whole realignment between heaven and earth that was broken at the fall is one thing.
where am I here? But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It breaks the alignment. Oh, pastor, I forgive. Okay. Even that's got to be qualified. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, verse number 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts, not lips, not between your ears, there's some forgiveness that's costly. There's some forgiveness that takes a little time. There's some forgiveness that takes a prayer meeting. There's some forgiveness that takes some reflection. You know what the whole background is in this? The whole background in this is, is that now that we're in the kingdom, we have a constant reminder. I heard, um, I might have used this illustration once or twice, but I love it. And I try to use it in a couple different messages because it's so apropos. But there was a great man of God. His name was Brother J.T. Pugh. I only met him one time as an evangelist down in Texas. Incredible man of God. Was a prophet of God. And he was being introduced at a large, I don't know if it was general conference or some multi-thousand uh, type of a con uh, conference. And the guy up at the pulpit was waxing eloquent and Brother Pew did this, and Brother Pew did that, and Brother Pew, Brother Pew, Brother Pew, Brother Pew, Brother Pew, Brother Pew, would you please come? And Brother Pew said he was just about got out of his chair, and he said God spoke to him and said, what if these people knew you like I did? I have a constant reminder that no matter who you are, where you've been, and what you've done, that Pastor Mayo will always forgive you because on the other side of this, I remember what he's forgiven me of. Somebody help me out right now. See, I have a constant reminder. I can always be kind. I can always be sweet. I can always be gracious. I can always be loving. Somebody help me out right now. part that I didn't really explore in Matthew chapter number 6 is the part where our prayer request is, is to lead us not in tempta into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I've started to wonder if that was just God's little guarantee of letting us know that if you don't want to be a forgiver, then I can help you be a forgiver. Because take heed lest ye fall. Because when you fall, what are you going to need? You're going to run to that altar. You're going to run to that prayer room. You're going to run to Jesus. You're going to run to the cross. Somebody help me out right now. And God's going to remind us, yes, I will forgive you. But maybe we need to take inventory. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. He's a great God. He's a good God. Being in the church is the greatest thing that ever happened to any one of us. Pastor, I just can't forgive. 
What if God ever said that to you and I? God's going to put all kinds of stuff in your life just to test you. Make sure you're a forgiver. Because if you're not a forgiver, in Matthew chapter number 18, the blood, the grace, the mercy, and the spirit is removed off that brother. And they are now a sinner. Like they had never been redeemed. This passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 9, God brought this scripture to me this morning in prayer. Here's a man that's paralyzed, and that's what happens when people get bitter. Oh, they can go through the motions. They can, they can grimace. They can false a smile. I'm not, I'm not putting down people that go through tough times, hard times, trials, We all go through those things. But I'm talking about when there's etched lines in a person's face because they don't smile. Bitterness begins to take its toll and it it paralyzes you. I don't have anything to praise God for. Okay? I don't have anything to be excited about. All right. So you got to understand, see, God is going to allow you to comprehend the stages of bitterness. There are situations that I've been through as a pastor where I've had to spend hours And I'm not, I'm not using myself as an object here to make you think I'm super spiritual. I'm not a super spiritual pastor. I want to be. I'm trying to be. The problem is I got this old flesh. I got to deal with this flesh all the time. And I got to deal with attitudes all the time. But there's sometimes I've had to come into this, uh, into this sanctuary and spend hours Till God knew, and I knew, and then God knew that I knew, and then God knew that I knew that God knew that I knew, and then I knew that God knew, and then I knew that God knew that I knew, and until God knows that you know that He knows. Are you all still with me? I know it's almost lunchtime. Please, everybody, wake up. I'll stop. But I wanted God to know I dealt with it. And a bigger problem requires a bigger tool. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost today. 
I know that God gave me this for some precious, sweet people here today. Here's a guy that's laying on a stretcher. I don't know if he was he was healthy and whole when he was born, and it, and it, and it eventually became paralyzed, but paralyzed people, bitter people, resentful people are paralyzed. Let's say, everybody clap your hands. You can't, you can't. It's work. Let's all lift our hands. It's work. Let's all just love one another. It's work. Well, we can love, we can love our, our little circle, but can you love outside the circle? See, you can't love outside the circle unless it's agape love. You can love inside the circle. Oh, that's just, see, it's familiarity. And that familiar spirit is, is what God wants to deliver us from. That's just, oh, what's his name? And that's just turn. And I can just be who I am with them. And no, you can't. all need to experience the incredible power of forgiveness. And so they bring this guy, they bring this guy to Jesus. There's a crowd there. Jesus has raised up all kinds of people in his ministry. Blinded eyes were opened. The deaf and dumb spoke. The dead were raised. But on this particular occasion, a person that is completely paralyzed can't move, can't smile, can't witness, can't testify, can't worship. Just absolutely just bound up. Jesus said, rise. Your sins are forgiven. What? There are some physical conditions that are brought about by the stress and the anxiety of resentment and bitterness. In fact, there was a a study, numerous studies are done on this on these kinds of things, and I'm fascinated with these kinds of things because they definitely have spiritual roots and a spiritual answer. Recent studies have shown that grudges, resentment, and unforgiveness can produce numerous side effects. Depression, anxiety, stress, a hair trigger, anger, digestive issues, insomnia, Weakened immunity system, heart problems. One doctor put it this way, forgiveness is a biological and cultural alternative to the primitive responses and hard wiring that's within us. In our fallen condition, we already have a bent to be scorekeepers. We already have a bent to be negative. We already have a bent to be unforgivers. We already have a bent to keep score and to keep track and to be dirt collectors and, uh, and, and all that kind of nonsense. We have a bent. But when you forgive, you are taking heaven's side, saying, I'm seeing all that. But you know what? 
I remember that I was once lost, but now I'm found. I remember that I was once blind, but now I see. I... People that get mechanical, people that get edgy, people that have a hair trigger, ang- hair trigger anger, people that are constantly have a chip on their shoulder, unforgiveness. And the problem is, is that unforgiving people, bitter people, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 12, they defile many. If you don't get it under control and get it in check, you in- infect your children grandchildren, relationships, anybody that comes around, they once were cheerful, running the aisles, loving the pastor. They hang around with some people. They end up leaving the church and hating the pastor and hating the church. What happened? They got infected. I remember a man told a story one time. He he retired very wealthy man retired and moved to Southern California, and his dream in life was to plant an orange orchard. He wanted an orchard. He wanted to be a farmer. wanted to raise fruit. And so he bought a plot of ground. He spent a lot of money preparing the soil, um, getting it all ready, and he got saplings and seedlings, and he planted orange trees. And it takes a little while to be able to get a return on orange trees. And finally, the day came. And he walked through his orchard, and it was right before harvest. And he grabbed an orange off this tree and took a big bite out of it. It's bitter. Walked to the next tree, took a big bite out of it. Walked through that whole orchard. He said, I don't understand this. I spent all this money. I brought the best fertilizer, the best equipment, irrigation systems. It's bitter. So he brought an old professor from UCLA, came out there, put his hands behind his back. And he just went for a walk. The, f- the farmer said, where are you going? The problem's in the orchard. The farmer just waved him off. He's walking all the way around the perimeter Way in the back of that orchard, he stopped. He said, there's your problem. What? See out there in that field? Yeah, an old tree out there. He said, that's a blackjack tree. He said, that tree is known for searching out other root systems and then wrapping itself around a root system and it emits a tannic acid that flows into every single other tree that it's connected to. You see, if you're going to be a forgiver, you have to hang around with the right kind of people. You have to hang around with forgivers. The best climate to become a forgiver is to hang around other people. They're talking about God. They're talking about the joy of the Lord. They're talking about revival. They're talking about what God's going to do. They're not talking about people. They're not talking about ugly things. They're not talking about licking their wounds. They're not talking about who hurt me. They're talking about God's great and greatly to be praised. 
Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory and give God the praise. I'm talking about the incredible power of forgiveness. And you possess it. You possess that power. Jesus was giving us a living illustration of what happens. A man that's paralyzed, and all he needed was forgiveness. Let's lift our hands and just uniquely, individually, let's take a little time here. Let's just... You might think, well, I've already forgiven. Yeah, you did it in your mind, but Jesus said from your heart, that's going to take a bigger flashlight. It's going to take a bigger shovel. It's going to take a little more time than just walking in and walking out. It's going to take, it's going to take maybe hours. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to cast a shadow on everything, but I've spent hours to find that place. But it was worth it. Come on, let's pray. Incredible power of forgiveness that brings back the alignment of Genesis 1 and 1 where you get your creative spark back. And there's light, and there's air, and there's foliage, and there's life, and there's peace, and there's glory, and the creativity that you were created with is there. I'm not here to say that every physical condition can lead back to this, but I'm here to tell you that there's some that are, which I believe is the absolute entire point of Jesus could have said rise and walk and touched him and healed him, but he used forgiveness instead. And Jesus equated it the same. He said, what, what difference does it make? Forgiveness brings healing. Oh, brother, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I don't know what got into me. I just hadn't been praying. I've been having some bad attitudes. Would you forgive me? Love you. I just healed a relationship. If you're not willing to heal relationships, I wonder if God's willing to heal you. Go to thy brother privately that thy might win thy brother. No, I'm going to tell everybody first. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so and hear about what they did and hear about what these guys did and hear about what they did? What you're doing is you're building up. You're building up the people on your side so you can gang up on them. God said, that sounds like the devil to me. That sounds like the devil to get an attitude and try to gang everybody up on one person. No, no, no. Jesus said, if you want to make it right, you got to go alone. The incredible, unlimited 
power of forgiveness. I'm almost done. Let's lift our hands. I had a situation happen to myself. It made me so mad I could spit nails. It's okay to be angry, just sin not. Just don't throw a hammer at somebody. But anger needs, anger needs to find a dead end in the altar. Because anger digs a foxhole. And then anger dil, digs a canal. And then anger has a networking system. And now anger has roots. And now anger influences every relationship, every new adventure, that should have been met with spiritual spontaneity is colored with a, a hue that's dark. It's tainted with negativity. Situation happened. It was, it was absolutely, utterly despicable. Absolutely, utterly despicable. And everybody that I could think of that knew about it, I called them up and contacted them. I said, we're going to forgive. There is no other choice. Pastor, are you going to get a lawyer? No. I'm going to forgive. This is exactly what he taught against in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 when Brothers take brothers, or you take another church member to court, and you fight it out in court instead of somebody having a little bit more wisdom and somebody having a little bit more depth, depth in a teacup and somebody having a little bit more Holy Ghost and realize, no, God, God knows how to settle this. God knows how to take care of this. Somebody! The incredible power of forgiveness. When you forgive somebody that greatly hurt you, it does not mean that you're just automatically trust them. And it doesn't mean that you're forced to respect them. Ladies and gentlemen, God designed us in such a way that there are some things that are so valuable they have to be earned. And one of them is trust, and the other one is respect. And if you blow it, just accept it. And say, I don't care how long it takes. I know I've made my mistake, but I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be here when the lights are on. I'm going to be here when the worship's going. I'm going to be here to support. I've changed. I've experienced forgiveness. I don't want to be like that. You can count on me. You'll learn to trust me again. You'll learn to respect me again. The incredible, God-given Every human being possesses that power. 
don't know how to use it until heaven and earth have aligned with a cross. And now what I receive vertically, I express horizontally. Now, we talked about that. That is a weapon of mass destruction. You just, you just keep that on hold. We might need to use that against the devil sometime. What I'm preaching this morning, this is not one of those messages that is a, has a posture that's vertical. I'm preaching this from a horizontal posture because I myself understand the power of this and the, the necessity of this. But what I'm preaching here today has cast or shed, is what I should say, brand new illumination on other scriptures. For example, in the book of James, Pastor James, one of the most famous men in the Bible, was the pastor of the thunderous church at Jerusalem. Is any among you afflicted? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how many things we deal with. We're self-inflicted. I wonder. I wonder. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing song. Is any sick among you? not call for a physician. There were physicians in that hour. I've got evidence of a widow that went to 12 of them. Physicians and witch doctors and the ancient word for pharmaceutical is sorcerer. I wonder, go back to the previous verse, please. Are, is there any sick among you? Let him call over the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice with me, notice with me, pray over. Alignment. And the use of oil is a type of the Spirit, just like wine is. 
It's a type of the unction. Next verse, please. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, I wonder. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. Okay? You just don't know. Okay? You just don't know what they did. Okay? Let's talk about what you did. When this revelation gets into a church, I'm, I'm convinced that this has got to be a component of revival because if I was, a, if I was just Joe Visitor, hey, what's your name? Joe. What's your last name? Visitor. I'm here for the coffee. All right. You get old Joe visitor to sit way back in the back 40 in that new building across the street, and he looks around a group of people that looks like a bunch of CIA agents, and the women look like they just got off the Mayflower. The reason why I know that is that's the exact same thing that crossed my mind when I came into an apostolic church. You can't let old Joe make that kind of determination by what he sees because he don't know what he's looking at. You don't know what you're looking at, Joe. Well, I think I know what I'm looking at. But, honey, if he can feel something, if he can sense something, if I can feel like this is where I belong, if I can feel like I can be loved here, if I feel like I can connect here, I'm not looking for prejudice. I'm not looking for another clique. I'm not looking for another group. I'm looking for God. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and lift your voice like a trumpet. Where's, uh, where's Brother Philip, the homeless guy? Okay, well, he's been coming pretty faithfully the last two or three months. He got an upgrade. He's now living in a camper, and he got a job. No. That, praise God. Praise God. What are you trying to say, Pastor? What I'm trying to say is that cannot happen in a congregation that is so bound up by everybody's got a scorecard on everybody else, and I know what they did, and I really know what's going on, and I really know what they did five years ago, and your attitude is adjusted. I rebuke your dark, familiar spirit. God sees all that and says, I love them anyway. I forgive them anyway. I'm going to heal them anyway. Clap your hands and lift your voice in the name of Jesus. Those kind of churches are losing people by the hundreds. They get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And now people are controlled by the dirt that everybody knows about everybody instead of the flow of blood and the flow of oil and the glory of God that's on that congregation. I wonder, 
I wonder how many people might just need to be forgiven today because the light's turned off and the juice is no longer flowing and you grit your teeth because you're angry all the time. And the first person that comes around and makes a little old dinky mistake, just nothing, man. But they get because it's been stored up. The judgment is not in relation to the infraction. I wonder, I wonder how many people could be liberated to where they're free, free to create, the free to be who God created them to be. The free to be anointed, the free to be powerful. Let's lift our hands and let's give God the praise. Let's really lift our voices because God, God is here to do something. To the denominational Pentecost, church is now over. But to those that are in alignment with the wind, God is about to blow on this congregation. Come on, let's get our hands in the air. If this isn't for you, pray for the person it is for so that we can weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. Search me, O oh God. God, if there's any wicked way in me. I'm asking the musicians to come right now. Let's just keep praying. Let's keep praying. God's going to do something. If you feel, I've been preaching this way for, for 27 years. Bless your heart, I am not going to pastor the kind of church that judges people when a message like this is preached and a person comes forward. You have always have those people that say, yeah, I knew it. Oh, God, help those people to repent and to be part of the angelic choir that rejoices over one sinner that repents. But I wonder in a great throng of people that's here today, with this illumination that's been brought forth, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if a physical condition is directly tied to something bigger. Let's lift our hands one more time. Let's call on the name of the Lord. To those of you that want to pray, this altar is open. This altar is a place of forgiveness. This altar is a place of healing. This altar is a place of cleansing. This altar is a place of renewal and rejuvenation. This altar is a place of restoration. This altar is a place of power. you're visiting with us today, you're feeling the tug of the Spirit right now to come and pray. You don't have to be a member of this church to come and pray. Come on. Come on. Those of you that are visiting, those of you that are just stopping by to check it out, come on. Let's let God touch us. 
Let's let God renew and rejuvenate and restore something. 